So today we come to the end of our journeys series. And I don't know about you, but I've actually loved this experience, listening to the testimonies. What, a few of the times I wasn't here, we're in the baby stage, but I was watching online. And uh, just it's so amazing to hear what God's done in people's lives and the challenges they faced throughout it. So today I'm, I'm going to try to land it in my very best ability. But I actually also felt Holy Spirit say to me that today is actually meant to be a bit of a Bible study. So if you're cool with it, we're actually going to spend a fair bit of time just reading the Bible. I know we're in church, it should be expected. But sometimes when you do a lot of Bible reading, people are like, mm. but I just want you to stay with me and, and really follow where God's taken us today because I really believe it's going to, I think it's going to be impacting for all of us. So we're going to land in Nehemiah 9. We will jump to Nehemiah 2 as well, but mostly the reading is from Nehemiah 9. I put up on the, on the screen here. If you have your Bible though and you feel more comfortable reading it on, on your Bible, go for that. I'm going to do my best to uh, get it right. I will say that I might skip a few bits and pieces because it's, it is a lot and, and some bits aren't too important for what I want to share with you today. So forgive me if, you, if I skip something and you think I should have not have. It was intentional. Alright, here we go. Blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessings and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the heaven and all that's on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitude of heaven worship you. This is Nehemiah praying, by the way. You are the Lord God, who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur from the Chaldeans in the name and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give his descendants the land of the Canaanites and a bunch of other people. You have kept your promises because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them till they passed through on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths, like a stone in mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and degrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath, and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through their servant Moses. In their hunger you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst you brought, the water, brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But here it is. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and then rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt, or when they committed awful blasphemies. Okay, let me give you a bit of a context break. There is still more to come. 
but here it is. I know it's a lot of, of scripture, and I know it's a, it's a big chunk, but I'm not going to apologize for that, because I, I actually believe if I just spoke the word of God today and just did that, Holy Spirit would reveal something to you anyway. Like, leave me out. He would. But I also understand that today I just dropped the scripture in front of you without any context. So I owe you a context for that. So, here's what's going on. This is a prayer that Nehemiah is sharing. He has been in Babylon for around 70 years. You guys know the story a little bit about what happened there. Basically, Babylon took over Israel, destroyed it, burnt their homes, burnt their temple, burnt their gates, took all their good men, killed everybody else. It was a horrible day, a horrible time in Israel. These are the times of Daniel, Shadrach, Mishkin, and Abednego. This is the 70-year period. All this area here is Babylon. They are slaves. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read scripture like this, I, I have to try to get my brain into understanding what that would feel like. Understanding the context of what's going on. So, imagine this is happening to us. This country we live in is taken over. We are made slaves. Our men are taken away. All of our fighting people gone. They destroy our homes, our villages. Everything's destroyed. It doesn't happen just in a year or two years, but for 70 years we are lost. We have no hope. At that time in our lives, in that season of feeling like there's no God, I personally would feel like it would be hard to sing songs like, God, you've been so, so good to me. That would feel like a struggle, but looking from the outside in, looking at the situation, we actually know God has been so, so good to them. As Nehemiah prayed just before, he was so faithful to them over and over again. And yet Israel chose to do their own thing over and over again. This is actually just. This plan is actually fair. But despite getting what they deserve, despite getting what really they asked for, at what point in those 70 years do you think they started thinking, this is it for us? I don't know if I put on my filter here again. Maybe you can remember a time where you made a mistake, you've messed up. Maybe you've hurt your family. Maybe you've hurt yourself. You know you've hurt God. Maybe it's not that hard to think about that last time. Maybe it was really recent. But it's pretty easy to go, oh yeah, I have stuffed up. I have been stiff-necked. I have done all these things. I have tried to make it on my own. And then when you start thinking about that one time you've done that, you think about the next time, the next time, and you realise you've got a pretty big stack of stuff-ups. Do you ever get to the point where maybe you've gone, how much forgiveness do I really get? How many times on this journey of my life does God go, Man, you've blown it so many times. Are you kidding me? Like the Israelites, so many times they just did the same things and we're reading it in the Bible going, Really? Again? He's just done this for you and this for you and now you've done it again? And we have this question. I know God would still love me. 
How will He use me? God still loves me. He always will. That's just God. As Christians, we know that. But will He give the plans that He had to me, the purposes, the good things, the being chosen, will He give that maybe to somebody else in this journey? Maybe ask yourself this question. You know you. Would you use you? Would you disqualify yourself knowing what you've done, what your past is, and who you are? Hold that thought. Let's go to verse 19. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in their wilderness. By day the pillar of cloud did not fall, sorry, fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillars of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths. You gave them water for their thirst. For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them the kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the most remote frontiers. They took over the country of Shion, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. <clears throat> their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land, and you gave the Canaanites into their hands, along with their kings and their peoples of the land, to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets. But you had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you again. From heaven you heard them again. And in your great compassion, you gave them deliverers. You rescued them from their hand, their hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them into the hand of their enemies so that they were ruled over them. And, then, and when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion, you delivered them. You warned them in order to turn back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances, of which you said, the person who obeys will, will live by them. Stubbornly, they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked and refused. It's like hearing on repeat, isn't it? For many years, you were patient with them. We can see that. By your spirit, you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them. For you are a graceful, gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant, covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and our leaders, on our priests and our prophets, our ancestors and your people, from the days of the kings of Asherah till today. 
in all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully, even though we acted wickedly. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our ancestors did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the statutes you warned them to keep. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying the great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. Let me summarize the last bit here. As he is praying this prayer, they are still slaves in Babylon. They are still stuck in the mess that had made for themselves. When we talk about journeys, friends, here's a journey to watch. It's highs and lows, highs and lows. They reach out to God, help me, I made a mistake. He says, okay, I'm here for you. Oh, now it's good, I don't need you anymore. And then, it goes bad again. Oh my God, I need you again. Where, where are you? Oh, I'm still here. I'll save you again. Constantly is up and down. This trust, then not trust. Trust, then not trust. You've got to ask yourself this question. Again, back to that question. If you knew you, would you choose you? If you knew Israel, would you choose Israel? In our flesh, I would pretty clearly and comfortably say no. I gave you a shot. I gave you a chance. It's over. But I'm so thankful that my God is not like me. That his grace is enough to cover all of the times that I mess up. That he is always faithful despite me. Seven years of captivity, you start thinking it's all over. And then one day, one day, in Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah goes to serve the king. As he does every day. Nothing new here. Every day he goes to the king and brings the king his wine. He goes to the table. He puts the wine on the table, serving his king and his queen next to him. Every day, like the day before. And the king looks at Nehemiah. <laughs> and he says, Why does your face look so sad? You're not ill. <laughs> this must be sadness of heart, he says. When Nehemiah hears this, the Bible tells us he feels afraid. But he says to the king, May the king live forever. But why should my face not look sad when my ancestors, without buried, are in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king says, Well, what is it that you want? And then the Bible says, Nehemiah prays. It's one of those rushed prayers when you've been asked a question and you know you've got to come up with the answer pretty quick. God, this is the right time. Do I take it now? Yes, okay, the answer is, and he says, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. You can imagine the king taking a moment, thinking about what he was just asked. The queen is sitting beside him. I'm sure she may have made a few side eyes at him. What are you going to do here? And this is what he says. How long will your journey take? And when will you be back? If it pleases the king to send me, 
hours at a time. This all happens in this crazy little part of Nehemiah 2. Now, I know I love giving you homework, and so nothing's changing. Homework today. Read the rest of Nehemiah 2. It's so interesting what happens out of this one conversation. And then if you really enjoy Nehemiah 2, read the rest of Nehemiah. It's so good. So good. This is what I love. Nothing, hear me, nothing disqualifies you from God's plans for your life. Nothing. If you can humble yourself and repent, you will be used by your Father. If you can humble yourself and repent. This is what's going on here. Nehemiah had seen what was going on. He knew what Israel had done. It didn't mean it didn't hurt. We know that feeling, right? We know when we've stuffed up. We know what we've done wrong. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It still feels real hard. But he still trusted God. He still believed that God could come through, even though it had been 70 years. When I read this little section here, of just this normal moment that literally becomes supernatural, I get hope. Because I go, what the heck? My brain can't work that out. You have been oppressed for 70 years. There is no hope left anymore. Maybe you understand that feeling yourself. You're at an all-time low. Life is not good. It doesn't feel hopeful. Things feel hard. Feels challenging. Feels impossible. But then there's God. Who can take a moment that is a plain moment and switch it around and make the impossible possible to secure a future and a hope again. Let me try to wrap this up. Over this journey series, we've heard so many amazing testimonies. But in all these testimonies, there is hardship, there is challenges, there is hurt. And maybe you've aligned with some of those people. Maybe you've aligned with bits of all of it. We've all carried pain and burden and challenges. This is what the journey of life actually looks like. It's not easy. But what I see here out of these testimonies and out of Nehemiah is that even in our darkest moments, God prevails. God still wants you. God still wants me. I'm still available to be used by Him. Underline all the things you can think of right now that would disqualify. Underline them. And go, for you that's, that's heavy. You can see it. It's underlined in your brain. It's heavy. But God sees that underline and goes, cross. It's actually crossed out. It's not there. That burden, not there. That hurt, not there. You haven't got to carry it. It's for him to take. You are never disqualified. God can always use us. I I, I guess when I think of the Israelites, I, I think of the most heinous things they did through history. That they were pure evil in moments. 
They sacrificed their children in moments to a fake God. Think about your sin and go, you know what, if God can use them and still loves them after that yuck, He's got you. He loves you. You are not disqualified. You are still chosen. You are still loved. If that doesn't give you a kick up the pants, I don't know what will. It gives me a kick up the pants. Because sometimes we go, oh, you know, maybe there's somebody even better than me at this. I can't just get someone who... Because I know I chose you. He's looking at each one of you and he goes, I chose you. I'm not looking at anybody else. You. His love for us should be overwhelming. It should be at a point where you go, yeah, I've made mistakes. Yeah, I've sinned. Yeah, I've done all those things. But God comes through. God chooses me every time. And what's our bit? What's, what's required of us? This is the best bit. This is what Nehemiah tells me. To humble myself. To say sorry. This prayer that Nehemiah does right here that we've just gone through is the prayer that is the, guys, let's not do this again. We're going home. We're rebuilding. Now, they did go home and they rebuilt. And you know what? It wasn't easy. The Bible actually tells us at a few points they are building with a sword in their hand. Because the enemies aren't happy that God's rebuilding his temple through his people. It doesn't mean just because God's chosen you that you're going to cruise through now. Not at all. But he's chosen you. You should have that hope to trust him and to know as you walk out your journey with him, he's there. He's got you covered. I'd love every eye just to close for one second. I just want to, I just want to pray. Because I believe there's a few some people in the house today that have felt disqualified. And as I was writing this message, I actually cried. Because <laughs> you think you've disqualified yourself. You've done too much. But I'm going to tell you, the king of all kings doesn't see that. He sees a man and a woman that he loves. So right now, I want you to just humble yourself. If that's you, I want you to put your hands out like you're sacrificing, like you're giving up. Father, here's my junk. <laughs> Laying it out in front of you. Here it is. Can you take it from me? Can you just take it from me right now? That's what he's doing right now. He's taking it from you. That burden is not yours to carry anymore. He's lifted it out of your hands and he's thrown it away. Thank you, Jesus. There's another few people that as I'm saying this, you're saying, well, yeah, Dave, I've got a, I've got a lot going on and I've carried all this stuff for a while. But I don't even know what it is to know him. I don't even know what it is to have that burden lifted from my life. I tell you, friends, he wants to 
be your king. Not so he can lord it over you, but so that he can love you, take care of you, cast out those burdens, and journey with you. Similar to the friends that gave their burdens away, you just got to humble yourself and say, yeah, God, you're right, I'm a sinner. I've made some crazy mistakes, but can you take it from me today so I can walk with you? If that's you, I want you to put your hand on your heart. Because right now, your heart has been hurt. But he wants to replace that hurt heart with his love. Father, thank you for every hand that is on a heart right now. I thank you that your presence is good, you're kind, you're loving. You want to wash us as white as snow. And so in this moment, Father, I thank you for that's what you're doing. You're taking away the hurt, the brokenness, and making us new again. I thank you, Jesus, for becoming Lord of my life, the King in my heart. That from this moment, life will be different. But I'll choose to put you first. Not my plans, not my will, but your will, Father. In the moment I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to join me on stage. And I'd love the prayer team to join us over here too. We're going to worship just one song. And that, that one song is just for you to have the chance to not feel so uncomfortable about coming over here. But if you need prayer this morning, maybe it's, yeah, I want prayer about how that looks about me following Jesus, what that looks like. Or maybe just that burden thing, you just feel like you just needed more. I believe God's enough in that moment. But if you feel like you need to get along somebody to get encouragement, that you're good, the journey's good, you're going to be okay, that's what this is for. So everyone, can you stand to your feet? We're gonna, we're gonna worship. Before we do, I'm gonna close the service. So I don't need to come up again. You've heard enough of me today. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are to us. This is the last moment of us at church right now. So we're gonna worship you with all of our hearts because you're good. You deserve it, and we love you. And I thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts this morning. We bless you, Jesus.